And Carroll will drive in. Spin and lay it in. Well, that's normally spins the other way. Nice little counterfeit of a fella. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday, one day away from the NBA draft. So joining us right now to talk about it, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. He's joining us on the Roman Guest Line. Ricky, there's been a lot of noise, a lot of odds moved the last couple of days. Um, what have you heard, inferring? What, what's your thought on what's happening here? Because the odds for Paolo Banquero to be number one have shifted considerably. And now there's some thought out there that maybe he could be in play here at number one. And the whole thing about Chet Holmgren maybe not wanting to end up in Orlando, trying to push his way to OKC. What's your thought on uh, on kind of the market movement and what's happening here with the uh, rumors around number one and, and, um, and Paolo? I think it's really bizarre for a couple of reasons. For one, it was reported yesterday by John Giovanni on the Zach Lowe podcast that Paolo had not come to Orlando for a workout. He had apparently consistently pushed the workout back. And as of yesterday, he had not actually worked out for Orlando officials. So I would be shocked if Orlando actually takes Paolo number one overall, even though I think that would be their best move as someone who covers the draft. I think what could happen is a trade-up where OKC is just notoriously secretive. Last year, if you follow the draft, you might remember the buzz was that Oklahoma City loves James Booknight, a shooting guard out of UConn. I always thought that was a little fishy. I believe they had the number six overall pick. Of course, OKC, when they come on the clock, they pull the wild card and draft the Australian Josh Giddy. So I think that like maybe the Rockets could trade up to number one if they love Paolo it sounds like they do Paolo is just in Houston and if they think that OKC might pull a fast one and just try to take Paolo at number two even though all the buzz is that Chet's going to go there ultimately I'm not buying it I still think Jabari Smith's going number one I think Chet's going number two I think Paolo's going number three but I got to say as someone who follows the draft to this point in the process with the draft on Thursday there's been a serious lack of intel. I haven't heard much myself. There hasn't been a ton of concrete reporting around these picks. So it's still sort of a mystery with the draft Thursday. Yeah, Ricky. And in our world, that means there could be some big time betting opportunities. Like we were just talking to break. Would it surprise anybody if Ivy sneaks into two or three? And if you want to bet those things and get them in the neighborhood of 25 to one, uh, you mentioned Chet. You, you still think he goes number two overall just what are your overall feelings with Holmgren and how teams are are thinking about him as far as the long term and the decision by his team to not share medicals with the number of them a lot of the reporting was hey he's trying to manipulate where he goes are you buying into that or do you think there's some credence to the suggestion that he's hiding something the medical thing is really weird I have no idea what's going on there, and I don't really think it's responsible for me to speculate about it, so I'm not mm-hmm. too sure what's happening there. Uh, in terms of Chet as a player, I think he's an absolute stud. I have him as the number two player in the draft, but he's very close to being number one. I think it's very odd that Orlando doesn't seem like they are going to take him because Orlando's front office has consistently targeted length in the draft. Uh, John Hammond, their GM, came over from Milwaukee where he drafted Giannis. And in Orlando, he drafted Mo Bamba, who is 
a prospect basically defined by his length. That was the best thing he had going for him, seven, eight wingspan coming out of Texas. So Chet's the length guy in this class. I mean, he's got this seven, six, seven, seven wingspan. If they pass on Chet at number one, to me, it's like Orlando's overlearning the Bamba lesson and like taking the wrong takeaway from it because Chet absolutely has a case to go number one based on talent alone. So uh, in terms of where he fits best, I really love the fit of him in OKC. I think that OKC is going to take at least one more year to try to compete. And they're probably going to have, you know, one more tanking year with Victor Wembanyama, the no brainer number one overall pick coming out of France, who will be in the 2023 draft. So chat to OKC is perfect because they don't need him to contribute to meaningful winning basketball right away. I think when you look at that roster, they got Che Gillis Alexander, they got Josh Giddy, they have shot creators. They don't really have anyone in the front court. So I still think, you know, just logically it makes sense for Chet to go number two, but uh, you know, OKC is they're they're not gonna give you anything in terms of leaks. So as you said, there could be some betting opportunities there. So on a scale of one to ten, knowing that Orlando in their front office have valued length, I mean, where are you at with Chet potentially going number one? Are you feeling more and more out on that, or do you still feel like it is a possibility? Strong possibility. Look at the odds, and he's currently third, I think, to go number one. So there is some uh, there is some juice there. I don't know. Like everything I've heard, I was at the combine. Uh, I've been you know listening to every piece of intel, and everything I've heard has said Jabari Smith Jr. going number one to Orlando. I think that that's the wrong pick. Just as someone who's evaluating the draft class, so it's a little hard for me to totally get behind it. I put out a big board yesterday. I had Jabari Smith fourth on that board. I think he's a very good player. I don't mean to criticize him, but I think Ben Caro and Holmgren are clearly the two best players in the class. And I'll take Jaden Ivey over him too. So I don't know. I'm, I'm personally probably not going to bet that one because I'm a little risk averse, but I could see someone wanting to take Holmgren number one, if you get good odds on it and just given Orlando's history, uh, you know, everything's been pointing them to Jabari at this point, but I don't know. Uh, you can talk yourself into chat at one if you want to. Ricky, there's been a lot of noise around Benedict Matherin kind of flying up the draft board here, maybe ending up as a top five pick. What do you think of him? And, and, and where's the range that you think makes the most sense for him to go here within, let's say, the top ten, may, maybe close to the top five here? Is there an over-under for Matherin's uh, draft line? Because I didn't have one on my app. Six, six and a half. Six and a half. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So Matherin, I think teams are going to like him because I think teams at the top of the draft are risk averse. Matherin is a relatively safe prospect. He had big time production coming out of Arizona as a sophomore this year, dynamic shooter, pretty good athlete. I worry just from my own personal evaluation that he's a little bit one dimensional to me, like he shoots it, but what else does he really do? He doesn't have a very good handle. He's not a very good passer. And I'm skeptical of the defense. So Matherin, not my favorite player in this class. I would probably fade him in terms of guys I think are going to end up being really good. But I could see the NBA liking him. So the buzz has really been Detroit. That Detroit could take him at number five. But you got to figure, like, Ivy's not going to fall too far. So Keegan Murray's either going to go four or Ivy's going to go four, in my opinion. That's what it looks like. And then if Ivy's gone, it seems like Matherin could possibly go five. We said the line's at six and a half. Correct. 
Yeah, I would probably take the under on that one. Mm-hmm. Because in the Pacers, like, the Pacers should just swing for the fences with A.J. Griffin or Shaden Sharp, but it's the Pacers. They're probably going to play it safe and be boring. So I would I would seriously consider the under on that one. Uh, I just think that Matherin is safe and NBA teams are risk-averse, and I don't agree with it. But, yeah, I would say Matherin under. All right. Uh, yeah, and Matherin is one of those numbers that has moved. It's six and a half now, but it was eight and a half not too long ago. So, so a lot of steam behind him. A, a couple others that have moved recently: Jeremy Soshan uh, from fourteen and a half down to eleven and a half. And uh, another one I want to throw out there is Blake Wesley, Notre Dame, twenty-five and a half down to twenty-one and a half. So, some buzz behind those players. Uh, where would you go there? Sohan, really interesting. That's one that caught my eye. I kind of like the under on that one. Uh, Sohan does not have much offensive game, but he is awesome defensively, and he is just a really smart player who I think has a mega high floor. So I'm kind of thinking under on that one. And then in terms of Wesley, 21 and a half, I don't know. Wesley, to me, is kind of a lottery ticket type of player. He's like a boomer bust type of guy. So I think he would be good for a team like Minnesota at 19. Denver at 20, or San Antonio at 20. I could maybe see them taking him. He's a little similar to DeJounte Murray if he hits. So I don't really know about Wesley. I might stay off that one. The one I found interesting, at least the line I'm looking at, is Dyson Daniels at six and a half. I would probably go over on Dyson Daniels at six and a half, given the recent buzz on teams' uh, love for Matherin. So I could see Daniels going seven. I'd be surprised if he goes six to Indiana, given the composition of that roster. They already got Tyrese Halliburton. He's like a little bit similar to Dyson, and he doesn't score very well off the bounce. So I'm going over on Dyson Daniels. That's one that jumped out to me. Awesome. I ended up betting under 12 on Sohan yesterday. So you're making me feel better about that bet. Another guy that I have heard people really high on is Malachi Branham. Um, His um, draft position is at 14. Where do you see him falling? So I'm looking at 14 and a half for Branham. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the 14th pick is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that is the spot everyone has been projecting him to go. Malachi Branham is an Ohio kid. He went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School. Of course, LeBron James' alma mater. Was not expected to be a one-and-done at Ohio State, but he was really good this year. Uh, not my personal favorite prospect in the draft. He's like he's like a 90s shooting guard. His talent kind of reminds me of Luke Kennard a little bit, just in terms of how he gets his buckets. But, I mean, Cleveland needs a big guard. He's from Ohio. So, I think Branham's going 14. Of course, Vegas is super smart. The line's at 14 and a half. I think I'm taking the under on that one. We're talking to Ricky O'Donnell here from SB Nation. Ricky, you put out your big board um, yesterday. You're updated, you know, six top 60 players here. When you went through that, was there a player or two? Like, where was the biggest discrepancy between maybe where you have a player ranked and then where you're seeing these players in the mocks? Because that, that will happen where you might love a player and he's kind of far down or vice versa. When you kind of finished your list there, did any of them surprise you versus where you think now they might go uh, tomorrow night? Well, just in terms of guys I'm higher on than the 
league consensus. Like, I have Patrick Baldwin at 14. Patrick Baldwin might not go in the first round. But, you know, when you're doing an exercise like that as an evaluator, like, for me, I can be less risk-averse than the NBA. Like, no one really cares if I get it wrong. So I can just, you know, shoot out my hot takes however I want to. So that would be a player I'm higher on. And also Dalen Terry. I love Dalen Terry out of Arizona. I'm on the verge of committing to a Dalen Terry's the best prospect out of Arizona over Master. But I just couldn't fully get there. But I want to be there. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. I think that he's the type of player who fits great next to multiple stars. And there's been a lot of buzz on Terry rising up draft boards lately. I don't have him on my app in terms of an over-under, but I wouldn't be surprised if Daylon Terry goes much higher than we ever expected he would a week ago. Uh, Ricky, I know you said uh, you have a Jabari chat uh, just one day out at the very top, but do you think Ivy can crack number two, number three? Because, I mean, there are spots Ivy 23-1 to at number two. Um, At at number three, you could find him at 21-1. to He's a favorite to go number four overall, but but that seems to be the buzz, uh, a lot of the chatter around the guy that could end up being the best player in this draft. So what makes it weird to me is if he was going to go number two to OKC, I think OKC would have to make a trade. And right now, like, their two best building blocks are Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a stud. He's like an all-star level point guard. He hasn't gotten that recognition, but he deserves it. And then last year, Josh Giddy, they take him number six. He's another big point guard. So are they really going to take another guard? And also, like, Giddy's a terrible defender. Ivy is coming in with a reputation as a poor defender. I think he's a little bit better than that because he has some recovery traits. But the book on Ivy is that he's not good on the defensive end. Neither is Josh Giddy And Shea, you know, he's not a great defensive player either. So I would be surprised if OKC takes him, just given the composition of their roster. But I feel like every year there's Shea Gilgis-Alexander trade rumors. So, you know, that could be your scenario where they draft Ivy, they trade Shea. To me, that's too many moving parts for me to believe it. So I still think that Ivy's not going to go too. But there is some value there. So if you want, you know, it's it's the thunder. You never know what they're going to do. Everyone thought they were taking James Booknight at number six last year. I never believed that one. But they end up taking uh, Giddy. So... Yeah, I, I would probably lay off it of Ivy at number two, but, you know, I'm not going to discourage someone who sees value in that play and wants to pull the trigger. It is interesting. We'll find out tomorrow night. Ricky, always appreciate hopping on. That was Ricky O'Donnell on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for EDL from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash now to get $15 off your first one. That's GetRoman.com. Slash Becky. I can't remember a draft in recent years where the night before we don't we people Man. that cover this don't know. Like this is going to be an incredible betting event. It is. I mean, Trayvon Walker, <laughs> you knew the day before. If you were paying attention, you knew. I mean, the ESPN or whatever NFL Network tried to play it up. You knew this one. I I don't know what's going to happen. It, it I, is gonna I, I might just take a bunch of big numbers. Honestly, why not? Yeah, it's yeah, a good idea. Chaos happens, and, and you might hit on them. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawks, for BetQL Daily. On the other side, we'll go off the board right here on the BetQL Network.